Welcome to this Instagram Live organized by the EPP Group in the European Parliament. This is part of a series that we started last week with ATOG about early stereotypes and how that has an impact on gender equality. So if you want, you can go back to the EPP account and you can check that live chat that we had. The idea is to have a series of talks uh, from last week when it was celebrated the International Day for Women and Girls in Science up until the 8th of March, which is the International Day for Women's Rights. We're going to have a chat every week about different topics um, concerning uh, female leadership like we are doing today, concerning gender equality, rural areas, gender violence. So make sure that you follow us and that you are here with us every week for this chat. Today, um, I am incredibly happy to have with me Maria Grasa Carvalho, who is a member of the European Parliament for the EPP group, of course. Um, hello, Maria. Thank you for being with us. And I have also Lina Constantinopoulou, uh, who is the Director of Policy for Eurochambers. And last but definitely not least, we have Andrea, who is the Senior Research um, Officer at the Wilford Mandarin Center for so European Studies, which is the EBB Think Tank. So um, let's start this conversation. Um, when we talk about breaking barriers uh, to female leadership, we need also to look at what happens first, right? We need to be there to actually end up leading the team. So we need more equally uh, open and inclusive labor markets. Um, and the truth is that these studies show that this is actually good for business, isn't it, Owen? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the data is very, very clear from a multitude of studies from around the world is that gender equality is very, very good for economies. Um, I think you only have to look within the European Union. Um, if we were to move more readily towards, you know, uh, full gender equality in Europe, we're looking at somewhere between four and seven million additional jobs by 2050. And, you know, the European Union, the EPP, we love to talk about structural reforms. We love to talk to the member states about what structural reforms these countries should be undertaking when actually the biggest structural reform is actually gender equality. Because if we implement the proper gender equality, the economic impacts would dwarf a lots of the other structural reforms that we love to talk about day to day. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a no brainer really from, from an economic point of view at least. Lina, uh, are the companies actually taking advantages of these uh, incredible economic potential that gender equality has? Um, I would say that uh, according to a recent EAB report, uh, Funding Women Entrepreneurs, uh, we see that there is a lack of female to male entrepreneurs in, uh, across Europe. So we are talking about numbers, something like women account for 52 of overall population in Europe, only 34.4 of the self-employed in the EU, and only 30% uh, is about startup entrepreneurs. So we are talking about a significant gap to achieve gender equality in entrepreneurship. But what is more important is that we face, as women entrepreneurs, we face numerous challenges to take upon these economic opportunities. We're talking about, firstly, on women-led businesses that are mainly SMEs. So uh, with, the, with the prevailing, of course, globalization, it has become very difficult for SMEs, of course, to thrive uh, if we're talking about the, the larger domain uh, operators there. And again, financing, owning, growing a business is, of course, uh, another issue. What is more important that I want to stress here is that uh, women are still the main providers of family care and household tasks everywhere across Europe. 
and this has a, a huge impact on the working activity, activities. So women are still struggling to find a new balance to avoid being overwhelmed by the overlap of work and private time. Uh, so we need to take a closer look and collaborate on how to support female entrepreneurs in our countries and of course in our communities. And here, um, um, the balance between working life and private life is obviously very important, something that the European Union has been working consistently. We saw some legislation passing over the past few years trying to push for member states to find a better uh, work-life balance indeed. Um, let me turn now to Maria, because we've been talking uh, for these past few minutes about the importance of women in businesses. But what about the role of female in politics? What do we need to do to have more women in politics? And I'm going to take this moment to ask our audience to comment on this. What do you think it brings to have more women in politics? Do you think that this is an advantage? What do they do, women, that make politics better? Tell me a little bit more about what do we need to encourage women to be uh, present in politics, Maria? Thank you very much. We really need more women in politics. Politics is still a male-dominant environment. Um, there are some actions that we can do. One important point is the role models. If we have role models that are present on television, in media in general, it's very important to attract uh, girls, young girls, to say, I like politics. Why not to think about uh, politics, uh, political career? And fortunately, in Europe, we have now fantastic role models from the president of the European Parliament, to the uh, Roberto Metzola, to the president of the European Commission, to the president of the uh, European Central Bank. So it's, it's fantastic that they appear in television and their role is also in, to attract more uh, girls and more women to politics. But it's not enough. And it's not enough, and I think that in many countries has a quota system and as a transition uh, measure, quotas uh, is an important measure to have more women on, on, in politics. The, the third point that I want to, to mention is uh, uh, infrastructures and the regulations that makes more easier to, to have a compatibilization between the private and family life with the political life. Uh, women with children that may have the needs to, to, the, to have the facilities uh, to have help with their uh, education of their children, of their family. It's a very important is, uh, to make it compatible with you. And the, the last point, the first point that I want to, to, uh, to stress is the internal organization and rules of the political parties. That is completely dominated by men. The hours where they meet, the way they meet in, uh, uh, to, for dinner, late hours. In my own party in Portugal, they have a, a timetable of meetings that go very late in the evening. So no, and important decisions are made for the party at very high, uh, during the night, the two, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. This is not a way women work. We have a lot of tasks in our family, uh, in our other tasks to do, to have a better organization. And so I think that we also need to look at the internal organization of our parties. 
So in a way, in the end, we see that women face the same issues to access the political life than they do uh, when they are trying to find a place in the business community. Um, but let me get, get back again to the question of businesses and the representation of females uh, in leadership in particular. We see that in Europe today, 7.9% of CEOs are female compared to 92.1% of males. So I was wondering, um, with the discussion that we have ongoing right now about uh, increasing the representation of females in, in, of women in, in boards, um, is there is a, an economic case as there is for gender equality to have a bigger representation of, of women in boards, Ellen? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's 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 just as clear cut when it comes to the to the broader issue of gender equality. There are studies and research from around the world have shown that there is a a very positive correlation between having a female uh, representation at board level and a whole range of of financial indicators. So we're talking about you know an increase in uh, general company financial performance. We're talking about an increase in key. Uh, kind of accounting metrics like return on equity, return on, on capital invest, invested. But also I think and something that, that's just as important is that often the wider uh, socioeconomic performance of these companies can improve uh, when they have a better gender balance um, at board level. And here I'm talking about things like um, their attitude towards uh, corporate social responsibility, their attitude towards uh, diversity and inclusion, their attitude towards uh, undertaking proper due diligence in, in various aspects of the business. So I think um, I think it's absolutely it's absolutely critical. And for me, for all economists, the economic case is, is very clear cut. Absolutely. Um, let me get back to this with Lena as well, because you talk a little bit more about the role of women in entrepreneurship, but in general, how do you see the improvement of gender equality being uh, taken as an advantage by companies to actually improve economically their performance? Um, yes, I mean, in my opinion, the concept of female entrepreneurship is, of course, synonymous to, uh, to, to female leadership. So we have the same characteristics that we are looking about. We're talking about motivation, vision, energy, but most important, uh, we're talking about um, skills. So according to a recent uh, female entrepreneurship uh, uh, report findings from 20 countries, we saw that there are four main areas that we are mostly interested in working on, and that is on, on digital skills. That's the first thing. So although, of course, the online presence of women-led businesses is above the overall average, of course, we still need to work on, on, on skills and training. The first, the second point is about better quality government measures. Okay, we understand that women entrepreneurs want to want want more and expect more from a quantitative point of view, but let's not forget the qualitative point of view. So lawmakers should target the offer, uh, should target the support towards uh, the most the most effective, uh, let's say, ro uh, roles for women entrepreneurs. Third, as we covered it as well, is the work-life balance. Again, the survey results showed that there, there could be certain conditions um, where we could give some flexibility, of course, in the workplace that could support women in charge of the majority of the households. And lastly, is about sustainable transformation. Again, we saw during COVID uh, women entrepreneurs struggling with resilience and flexibility in their company business model. So, uh, of course, we are satisfied 
a lot with a lot of initiatives from the Commission on that, for example, the European Action on Entrepreneurship Schemes, which is a very good initiative. And, and finally, uh, yeah, I, I think this is, um, and we're of course uh, very happy to support on the way on, on that. Let me follow up on this with Maria as well, because um, you are the shadow rapporteur for the EPP on the Women on Board Directive. And we heard from Lina now that it's very important to have a legislative action on the side of not only supporting businesses uh, for encouragement, but also changing the legislation to make sure that it's uh, more inclusive in terms of uh, gender equality. Um, I was wondering if you think that companies are doing enough already or this directive is actually needed. Uh, the answer is in the figures and facts. Uh, we have uh, equal number of women and men, qualified women and men. In some countries, uh, some member states in Europe, we even have more qualified women than men. As an example of my own country, Portugal, where we have more women with university degree than, uh, than men with university degree. And they are a minority in the boards of the large companies. Uh, so campaigns have not been enough to change the situation. So we need to act and we need to act uh, in a legislative way. Countries that have done so, that have uh, laws that are uh, similar to the directive that we are discussing, uh, have improved very much the situation. And another point that I want to, to say is that we are not doing that not only because of the situation of women, it's also a question of the society and the economy. Companies perform much better when they have a diversity in their boards, in their decision bodies, uh, and this diversity is also gender diversity. There is studies and uh, research that is confirmed what, uh, uh, what I'm saying. So, uh, as campaigns are not enough. The European Commission has decided in 2012 to put forward the directive to attain uh, an objective of 40% of non-executive members of the boards that would be from a different gender. Uh, of course, women, because it's usually the, the, the one that is less represented. This directive has been uh, stopped in the council. There is, no, there is a rotten minority in the council. We hope now, and we have to thank the French presidency that has put forward the will to unblock this directive. We have uh, in the parliament, we are ready for the negotiations and we hope to go to negotiations soon and to have a happy end to this directive that is very important for women, but also for the society and the economy. We cannot afford to neglect 50% of our talent in Europe. Absolutely agree. Um, on this issue, we see that the European Union has put forward a, a better work-life balance directive. We have seen many initiatives in terms of addressing the gender pay gap, which is also a big deal when we talk about uh, these issues. There are a number of initiatives that have been put forward in Europe, but I was wondering what is it that we can learn from other countries, from other organizations? What is other people doing in the world to ensure a better representation of women on boards, but in general in the labor market area. Yeah, well, I think I think the first thing is, as you've said, and what as um, Maria and Lena have said, is that it's not just one one issue. There's no one smoking gun. It's a whole um, you know battery of socioeconomic issues. But I, I'll just highlight very quickly three things. 
I think the first thing as both speakers have already said is childcare and family responsibilities. It's, I think the International Labour Organization have highlighted, it's the number one reason why women do not put themselves forward for more senior management roles. So I think in Europe, we, we need to move away from this, from this view of the childcare system as some sort of maternal system. And we kind of have to move to this kind of more holistic, uh, you know, um, parental model where it includes mothers and fathers or whoever happens to be in that, in that family. And I think that's very, very important. And I think there are three characteristics, affordability, accessibility and flexibility. I think they are the three uh, key issues of any, any successful childcare model. And just, I think, to be, to be kind of positive on this, I think certainly if you look at, at my generation, which is like, you know, inner 40s with, with, with young children, I think you will see, um, you know, and the data would, would, would support this, a much better sharing of the family responsibilities than from older generations. So I think things are changing, but really things can only change if it's men and women kind of working together. Um, the second key point I would highlight is taxation. Um, it's incredible to think that 47% of women in Germany work part-time, regardless of their skills or education level. And a primary factor, not the only one, but a very significant one, is the taxation model. Because it's a, it's a joint taxation model, this often discriminates against the second earner, the lower earner, which often happens to be the woman. This, in turn, uh, means a lot of women don't return to full-time employment. That is a chronic and disastrous underutilization of resources because as Maria said, we're approaching the situation in many European economies where women are consistently outperforming in university and in many other kind of uh, academic and non-academic spheres. And you only have to look, I give the example of Ireland, where there was a partial individualization of the taxation model in 2000. In the decade that followed, followed um, the participation rate of married women in the labour market increased by five or six percentage points. It, it's, it's, really, it's really incredible. No, and the last point, very quickly, is that the education system. And this is not just about getting more women uh, and girls into STEM, it's about getting more women um, and girls into international business and into executive management programmes. We need to kind of tackle the gender stereotypes, and I think Maria mentioned really these kind of masculine corporate cultures and i have to say although in brussels a lot of central and eastern european countries tend to get kind of a, 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 a tough going in many aspects we need to highlight that countries like bulgaria like latvia like lithuania have the highest proportion of female engineers and scientists in the eu and i think these are all success stories that can feed into the next generation of girls whether they're in vilnius or vienna i think that's that's very important Thank you so much for that. And thank you for mentioning the question of earlier stereotypes, because I want to drive my audience back to the chat that we had last week that was very interesting, not only because those earlier stereotypes indeed has an impact on the way that female then progress in their careers, but also because it affects men as well. Most of the stereotypes were actually carried out by men 
and that affected the way that the women were perceived in a in a professional environment. So I see. I think it's very important to not only encourage women, but also to encourage men to uh, drive away from those stereotypes and make more open and more inclusive those professional environments. And indeed, that would change the uh, the the way things work and would allow more women to feel comfortable in those spaces. And also, it was interesting when you mentioned about the question of gen uh, of of work-life balance because indeed it's something that has been pushed by society and needs to be accompanied both by public action but also by a chance, uh, as well that is more inclusive in that sense. Um, let me go back to Lina to put an end to this discussion today by asking you uh, as a representative of businesses whether you think that there is a difference when you have more women in charge both in politics but also in the business community. Um, not really. I don't see uh, a major uh, difference. Uh, I think uh, if we respect uh, the three important rules of diversity, equality and inclusion, I think uh, this is what it takes. But personally, um, I have always admired women, no? uh, whether in politics or in, or in business that can really juggle uh, work-life balance and at the same time be a role model in society because it requires vision, it requires drive and courage, and I see that every day. So, uh, especially in our business and female entrepreneurs, this is uh, what it takes right now. So, so that's, that's a really good message to end. The need for role models that we talked about before, and that's very important to encourage other women to decide to take on and be the leaders of their own companies, but also to encourage more girls and uh, to, to go into professional uh, spheres um, and being powerful and empowered and, and confident to make sure that they, they would make it. As we said, uh, we have to keep on working on different directives to encourage that and to make sure that happens. I know that Maria is going to do a great job making sure that that a Women on Board directive uh, gets through. And because we talk about uh, entrepreneurship before, make sure that you follow us next week because we're going to be talking about that. And uh, keep on following the EPP Instagram account because we have a lot of conversations about gender equality coming up in the next few weeks. Thank you so much to my speakers today. It was an absolute pleasure uh, having you today with me and have a great day.